This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And welcome, welcome. You're live with Dr. Jeff Weber, your host for the next 30 minutes. And it's going to additional few minutes. Because it took us a little while to get started here. Technical difficulties, as they say. So uh, anyway, but I'm here. I'm back. And um, so for those of you who I did not get a chance to wave to, I'm going to wave. And for those of you who have questions for me, now is the chance. So you can catch me here live on Instagram. Just log on like you're doing. Or here on Pet Life Radio. You can actually go in online to PetLifeRadio.com. Click on Shows. Go to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And you can join us live right here with the pets on Pet Life Radio. So, um, and if I didn't get a chance to wave at you, it's not because I'm ignoring you. It's that sometimes people come on really, really fast. And uh, good. So, what I'd like you to do is think of some really, really good questions. And in the meantime, uh, while we're having to suffer through some technical difficulties here on Pet Life Radio, but we're doing the best we can because that's the best we can do. Anyway. Hope everybody had a great week. I, as you know, I was uh, last week, we were with you live from the floor at the VMX, which is the Veterinary Meeting and Expo. It is the largest veterinary trade show in the world. That's pretty cool. And then next month, I have Western Veterinary Conference in Las Vegas, which is the second largest in the world. But you know, they usually go neck and neck. And what's happened is they'll get like seventeen to 8,000 people. And sometimes it, we're talking like maybe maybe 200 people different. I mean, really small when you're looking at 17 or 18,000. Because of what's going on three and four years ago, it was, it was canceled. Last year, they had a, a much smaller group. I think instead of the 18, I think they had 10,000, which wasn't bad. Well, this year, to make up for it, 26 or 25,000 people here at this conference. And it was, it was just packed, which is good. I mean, it was good to get see people out there, people you know learning again, so uh, I think it was really, really cool. Anyway, it was a great show. Veterinarians, we have to get a certain amount of CE, continued education every year. So that we have like 20 hours a year. So it's, for me, it's great because I just get to also catch up on some of my, what we call CE. And uh, so that works out really well. So um, anyway, as I'm waiting for your questions, let me look and see if we have any questions coming in. I know I wait a lot of people. Yes, we talk about Duke Claws. What do they do? Very clever. Um, should they be removed? Well, I love this question. And I'll tell you the story that goes with it. Let's go back years ago when I started practicing. And typically, they have front and hind dew claws. Hind dew claws are much more uncommon. And usually, they're not attached. They're called disjointed. So they're just sitting there like those floppy thumbs. And those we always remove. Now, the fronts, they are jointed. Not all dogs have them. And what we used to do is when they were newborns, we used to remove them because they serve no purpose. So we thought. Turns out, here I am, I have a little puppy coming in, and I'm about to uh, do the little, little it just, it's so quick. It's like you take the electric artery, they zap them off, and sometimes you're going to get the stitches. We put a little adhesive, medical-grade adhesive glue. So one of my young associates goes, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm taking the new claw. We do it all the time. Goes, That's to take those off. Sweet job. I've been doing it for years. She goes, no, they actually work. She showed me a video. There was a professor, I think it was University of Florida at the vet school, who was, a, his specialty was the athletic dogs. So the, the sporting dogs, the racing dogs, et cetera. And he 
They did a lot of slow-mo photography to monitor and to study their gait. And it's amazing to see this. I wouldn't have believed it if I didn't see it. When dogs land slow-mo, you think they're landing on their, just on their toes. But it's not. The whole foot switches back, stretches back. And guess what? That little thumb, that prevents the wrist from rolling back and forth. That little claw actually serves a purpose and a good purpose. So ever since then, I still, if a back hind claw is there and disjointed, I remove it, except there are certain breeds like the Great Pyrenees that their hallmark is double claws back, double hind claws back. So we leave those because that's, that's part of them. Sometimes they're jointed, in which case it's up to the owner. The fronts, however, unless it's disjointed, meaning sometimes you get that as well in the front where it's just there, floppy, so they can't control it, then it's a vestige that is only a vestige looking for trouble. Why? Because those are the ones that get caught on brush, on thick, you know, they're going through the bushes, they get caught on things, carpeting. Anyway, they just rip off. It's a problem. So those I still remove. And I usually don't do it just for that. I try to couple it with another more important procedure like a dentistry or something. Because you, you don't want to knock them out twice for something so minor. But I believe they are an accident waiting to happen. And there are some vets out there that still don't want to remove them, even though they're disjointed. And I will argue with them. They are 100% wrong, in my opinion, because that is a, an accident waiting to happen. So as an elective procedure, I will remove those. So anyway, it's a great question. So in summary, Front dew claws, if they're jointed, we leave them alone now. Hind dew claws, which are usually disjointed anyway, we will remove as an add-on to another procedure. So I hope that answers all your questions. Now, also, tail pockets, what are they, what type of dogs have them? Take care of them. Okay. Now, I'm assuming for a tail pocket, you mean that like a big tail fold that sort of covers over the tail. We see those in a lot of the short-tailed dogs, notably... The French Bulldog and the English Bulldog, they have it. But other short-tailed uh, dogs can have them also. Australian Shepherds can have them. Anytime these dogs have very, very, very short, funky tails. So what happens is, if we're talking about the same thing in that deep pocket, that also seems to get very infected very often. So you have a very dark, moist environment, and that is so predisposed to infection moist infection, and it becomes very, very painful and uncomfortable for the dog. And if you just, if you kind of can stick your finger deep in that pocket, you'll see how much they just, they're miserable. So for the dogs with the corkscrew tails, two things that have to, first of all, just taking care of that corkscrew will help the problem a lot. For other dogs that don't have the corkscrew tails, but are continually getting infected, it's a very difficult area to clean and to keep dry, though there are a lot of great products out there to do so, then we do what's called a tail fold reduction, where we go ahead and we will remove those excess skin to take away that deep pocket. It's basically, it's plastic surgery procedure. Uh, we do it often. We do it with facial folds, neck folds, on sharpets where they have the folds on top of their head, their eyes. Sometimes if those folds are causing a problem, then we have to look. You know, this is the big difference when it comes to plastic surgery for pets as opposed to plastic surgery for people. There is always an ongoing battle between what we call form and function. Now, in animals, we don't really care about the form. What we do is care about the function. So if that fold is causing a problem, even though it's a Sharpe, and even though they're supposed to have one, we still, we sacrifice that look in order to achieve comfort in the animal. 
Now, let's go back to uh, people and what their goals are when it comes to plastic surgery. And I hate to say it, but usually when they go on, it's more or less form and not function. So those people that are going after the plastic surgery, they're willing to sacrifice some of the function to achieve a certain form. And that's kind of not how we do it with animals. So anyway, great question. And uh, first thing in the corkscrew tail, what happens the tail comes out and it makes a sharp turn back in. And that's what contributes to the problem and the infection and the pain and discomfort. So that's fixed first. And that means a tail amputation way up at the base sometimes. So anyway, otherwise for carrying them, it's cleaning them, soap and water. You can get these wipes, Maliseb, Keto Maliket wipes, anything with um, um, chlorhexidine, ketoconazole. You go in there really deep, clean them out, then try to have someone help you by opening, spreading the folds, taking something, it's called Neopredef powder, one of my favorite powders, one of my favorite products, actually. It is, first of all, it's drying. It is anti-inflammatory. It's anti-itch. It's antibacterial. It's antifungal. It's got everything. And it's perfect for those areas where you get these fold-related pyodermas. So, Katie Poo, great question. Thank you. All right. Let's see what else we have. You know that pet post? It's up to 9 million views for, for uh, poor old Mason. But he's Mason's doing great. Uh, besides carrots, other health treats we can give once or twice a day for our dog. Also a great question. I'll tell you what, New York Anti-7, we are going to hold that one. We're going to go on break here. All right, I hope you can hear me. We're going to go on break, and we'll be right back on call. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet Okay, we're back live here on Pet Life Radio and Instagram Live. So um, on the break, or just before the break, we had a question. Besides carrots, other healthy treats we can give once or twice a day for our dogs. So first of all, carrots are great. Other vegetables are good too. You know what they do like? They like apples. But again, it's not that the skin is dangerous. It's not poisonous, but they can't digest it. So I would say cut up some pieces of apple. One of my dogs loves melon, cantaloupe. Go figure. And then also there are, again, Small amounts. Dogs are lactose intolerant, usually as adults, but they like cheese in moderation. So little chunks of cheese. But a lot of people I know do is they will uh, take some uh, turkey breast or chicken breast um, or even an all beef hot dog and cut it into little morsel sized pieces. And again, dogs obviously love meat. Thus, the, there's the question about do I want to make my dogs a vegetarian or a vegan? My answer for my dogs is no. But it can be done. Dogs are, are omnivores. But I always say, if you're trying to, once again, anthropomorphize and place your values 
into your dog's values. And trust me, they're not the same. You're not going outside and lifting your leg to pee on a tree. They are different, different creatures. So if you put a, a bowl of, as I said, make your best vegetarian or vegan meal, the best one. I mean, best, best meal from a, a great vegan restaurant. And then take a bowl of meat and stick it from both bowls in front of your dog. See which one he or she goes after. That would be your decision maker right there. Now, if you have a dog that actually likes it, prefers it over a good meat meal, then go for it. It can be done because they are omnivores. So I know a lot of trainers, and you can also get now freeze-dried jerky turkey or jerky beef that are 100%. And those also dogs seem to like because that gives them something to chew on. But if you want to stay away from the meats, as I said, I I think carrots are great. Some dogs like uh, broccoli. The really leafy vegetables, they don't, they can't digest. Well, they can digest, but they can't break down the starch as well. They don't have the enzyme to do it. So that's why I, I, I keep away from some of those things, like celery. They can eat it, but the apple skin, but it's going to come out the other end just the way it came in. So it's called cellulase, and dogs don't have it. So I would say the two, my two favorite already uh, New York Yankee, as you mentioned, one, carrots. And carrots, are, by the way, loaded with vitamin A. It's good for eyes. They like it. It's got a sweet. They're juicy. It's like the perfect non-meat treat for a dog. And uh, But apples do really well. And the heart of the apple, like the Pippins, the, the Granny Smiths, the, the crunchy apples, as opposed to the delicious, those seem to go farther. The dogs really, really like it. So great question. Uh, let me see what else we got. Oh, and healthy and low-calorie treat suggestions would be great. There you have it. it basically, it is, it's the same thing. Apples, carrots, any kind of vegetable, fruit, no raisins, no grapes. I'm sure you all know that. And even that is a bit over-mentioned. And I think that the stress on that is that we don't know when animals have this problem, we don't know which ones they're going to be. It's not broad spectrum across the board that every dog is, I mean, I had dogs for years. I used to train them with grapes. Sit, good boy, throw the grape up there. They'd catch it. They loved it. It was great. It wasn't until relatively recently, last 10 years, that we started learning about this potential enzyme deficiency in some dogs, and they can't break down the, in the grape or raisin skins I think they say it's the prostatidins and it caused, but ah, good at Katie Poo. Thank you. Two more good ones. Frozen peas, frozen sweet potato chunks, and even frozen squash. Now they're on this vegetable kick. Yes, these are all really healthy, low calorie, and that's good. Puppy protocol, shots and deworming. That is fantastic since I see so many puppies. I've been doing this for a long time. So the first thing, Sandy frozen strawberries. Boy, this is great. We get all these good ones. Thank you, uh, Georgia. This is great. So now, one of the things, so let's talk about puppy protocols, all right? And um, here, here it is. So this is where I get very frustrated with many breeders. And I always say this half in jest, but it concerns me and it bothers me how there are a lot of great breeders out there. Don't get me wrong. In fact, if you're going to want to get a purebred or a, one of the, the, the doodle you know, mixes, you definitely want to go to a legitimate breeder who is educated, who is basically very ethical in their breeding practices. I get it. But here's what gets me is that I still see from many of these breeders the most god-awful vaccine schedules. They're still starting at six weeks. Danger, danger. You don't want to start that early. They're giving them every two weeks. Oh, unnecessary. Because if you only give three and you go six, eight, and 10, you're going to have a, a very unprotected dog. So here is what you should be doing. 
the ideal schedule is you start at eight weeks, you can go four weeks in between, and you want to end at 16 weeks. The math is easy. Eight, 12, 16. There you have it. Three vaccines, four weeks apart, you're good. Now, if you are not sure whether there was any immunity passed on to the puppy by mom, which should last at least eight weeks, that's why we start about eight weeks, that's when it starts to wane. When you give a, a vaccine at six weeks, where the dog's own immune system isn't ready to kick in, but has passive immunity from mom, when you give that vaccine, that vaccine is the enemy. It's attenuated, okay? It, is, it, it goes through processing where it is no longer infective, but from an immune standpoint, it is supposed to stimulate the immune response to that virus. But so when you have these vaccines that aren't going to provide the immunity, they should, but at a six-week-old dog, the dog's too young, but the mom's passive antibody from nursing, from that colostrum, sees that vaccine antigen, they don't know it's fake. They think it's the real thing. So what do they do? They attack it. So that takes that out of circulation, but it also breaks down, cuts down the number of viable, active immune cells, antibodies from mom. So you're starting to leave your dog unprotected, which is crazy. So that's why 8, 12, 16, you should not end the series sooner than twist my arm 15 weeks. So if they've had already three shots, but they started six and now it's up to 14 weeks, now you got to give another one by 17 weeks or 18 weeks. So the recommendation is, especially the dog that you know has had some nursing, 8, 12, 16. After the eight week, I'm still very cautious, not allowing them to really mingle in any place public, but we want to socialize. So if you have friends, neighbors, family that have other dogs that are well cared for, that aren't running around town, aren't frequenting dog parks every day, you want to socialize. By 12 weeks, I say it's okay to go down your block. No really, like no places where dogs congregate, not a dog park, not in LA, the Grove or a third street promenade, not Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills, but just on your block. But again, avoid any dogs and any poop sitting in the ground. Then by after the 16 week shot, the final shot or 15 weeks, a few days after that, four or five days after that, then you can start taking them out and about. Be careful with puppy classes. If a puppy class is not going to ask for proof of vaccine, do not go to that puppy class again, unless your dog is already fully vaccinated at 16, by 16 weeks of age. So there you have it. Deworming. There are practices of many. I'm not here to judge anybody that deworm across the board, every animal, every puppy, and maintain wormings every two weeks until they finally sell the puppy or give the puppy away or it gets adopted if it's a shelter. You know, I don't know. It's okay. The warming with our products are really safe and it might be impractical to do fecal tests on all of them all the time. So the easy way out is just give the dewormer because it's safe. Why not? That's okay. I prefer when a, a puppy comes in and their stools are fully formed, totally normal, no diarrhea, and they bring me that poop in a bag, okay? If the dog shows on the history that has been wormed before, I will not recommend fecal. Silly me. I just don't do it. I think it's a waste of money. But let's put it this way. I have never seen a dog that had been wormed before as a little pup by the breeder or, the, or the, the, the shelter or the rescue group coming in with normally perfectly formed poops, eating well, everything normal, and had positive fecal. So now, if I don't have that data and I have a stool, even if it is formed and looks good, yes, I will run a fecal just to make sure. Because there are some cases where uh, certain parasites just could, could go unnoticed, and it would be better 
to at least double check. But if they've had four or five wormings already with Panicure every couple of weeks, chances are anything they may have had, they don't have anymore, which is why the stool is normal. And of those puppies, I'm going to run a fecal because I have no history. And the stool is perfectly normal. Guess what? I think 95, 98% come back normal. So, but again, better safe than sorry. Great question. So real quick, just some uh, questions that I, I came across that I wanted to share with you. Oh, this is really good. We were talking about things that are poison, talking about the grape skins, chocolate. Now, chocolate is a, a bit overrated, not very much, but a little bit. A uh, dog gets a hold of, you know, a cup of Frenchie. Uh, yeah, Katie Poole gets that in a minute. So there's a, a new compound that is at preventing chocolate poisoning. It's being tested in dogs. The product will be an in-home emergency treatment to prevent chocolate poisoning. Hasn't been reviewed yet by the FDA. Clinical studies are ongoing, but so far, the early stats are showing that it is effective. Now, it's not going to replace seeing your veterinarian, but it like almost like a, a rattlesnake vaccine. It will buy you time. Now, this was also interesting. Buyer beware. So a 73-year-old Pennsylvania man, all right, he was basically arrested for interstate shipment, listen to this, misbranded animal drugs for selling bogus cancer drugs, cures for pets with different illnesses. He falsely claimed on his packaging that it was FDA approved and that FDA funded the development of these drugs, which were ingredients that he just blended together. So, and he sold to about 900 pet owners for different different things and raking in over a million dollars. So uh, be really careful when you're, if you're gonna research, if it sounds too good to be true, it is probably too good to be true. It's probably not true. So uh, anyway, just FYI, there are a lot of people out there looking for ways to make you money. We've already talked about the scams, about you know finding a puppy if you advertise a lost dog, or they seek out help for these dogs that they found and they gotta get them to the vet. Do your homework, do the research, check them out, and make sure that they are legit. Uh, just don't hand your money over to somebody. So is it common for Frenchies to have excess gas? Absolutely. French Bulldogs can clear a room in no time. It's amazing. How do you reduce this? You can use things like some of the over-the-counter, Gas X, for example, that can work. Beano can work. Some of these products that you would use for people might, there's the underlying word, might help take care of some of these gas problems, but Frenchies are notorious and bulldogs are not, English bulls aren't far behind. So uh, anyway, thanks for joining me here. So sorry at the beginning of the show, trying to get, just having trouble. I don't know whether I have to get a new headset, if I have to get a whole new speaker. I don't know, but my Yeti was an expensive little monster, this thing right here. This is, this is like professional grade. So uh, anyway, we'll try it next week, see if it works. Anyway, have a great week, everybody. Now, next week, I unfortunately will not be here. I will be on a plane heading to Eagle Vale Airport for the Colorado Veterinary Medical Association has their annual SCICE, Ski CE. It is a fun, phenomenal conference. So basically, it's always at, obviously, a Colorado venue. We've been to Breckenridge. We've been to Vale twice. We've been to Crested Butte. This year, it's going to be at Beaver Creek. I've never been to Beaver Creek. I think next year is Steamboat. Never been there. And uh, so basically, we get in about 14 hours of CE, which is great. But every day, well, full days, Monday, Tuesday, and half of Wednesday, nine to four, you're on the slopes. So it's really, really great. I'm getting my snowboarding in. I do have an epic pass because I also go to Park City. And I'm looking forward, very looking forward to uh, this conference because it should be a great one. So if you have any questions during the week, then you can call me 
Uh, real quick question I like. If stop the heartworm in November 22, resuming in February of 23, does she need a heartworm test? November, December, January, February. So it turns out that when a, a, a puppy is born, even if they get bitten by a mosquito on their first day of life, you don't have to test them. You can start preventive before five months of age because that's how long it takes. So technically, that because it's only been three months, November to December to January, February, you missed, then you could probably just start up again in February, start up now if you want. Not be a problem. If you are really nervous about it, heartworm tests are done in-house. They're not expensive. So to be safe and to maintain your warranty with the drug company whose heartworm preventive you are giving to your dog, you want to be able to prove at all these times that you were heartworm negative. That means if their heartworm shows up, it was the fault of the medication not working. So for that reason alone, it would be wise to spend a few dollars and get the heartworm test. But you probably don't need it. It should come back negative. Thoughts on dog paw washes after every walk? It all depends on the dog. If the dog comes back with tar or debris within the feet, yes. Or also, if that happens a lot, take them to a groomer, your veterinarian, have them shave. A lot of dogs have a lot of hair in between the pads on the bottom of the foot. And that's where this stuff gets stuck to. So it wouldn't be a bad idea just to keep those areas really clean. But every day when you come in to wash the feet, it's not a bad idea. And again, if another thing you can do is protect the feet by getting some booties and putting them on before walks. Especially in, if you live in a snow area, a lot of times the chemicals they put on the ground to melt the snow can actually be very irritating. So those booties can be very helpful. All right, thank you so much. As I said, I will not be here live next week. I'll be on a plane. Uh, I will let you know how this fun conference is. I love it. And um, other than that, we will uh, see you the following week, same time, same back channel, here on Pet Life Radio, here on Instagram Live. And um, keep the likes coming. Love it. And if you're not following me, please do follow me with Verbs underscore TBM. Have your follow, your friends follow too. In fact, I just hit a milestone for me, 14,000 followers, which is great. And I don't know if you noticed, but I finally got verified. And I have a little blue check my name. And I'm very happy about that. So maybe people won't be using my likeness anymore to do things that they do. And it's, it's been happening a few times before. So hopefully this will stop that too. Anyway, be well, be well. Thanks for joining me. And we'll see you in two weeks. Bye-bye. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.